What's going on, people? I'm Jake Painting. Welcome to episode two of Pain Points. As usual, um, you can find my work over at Canis Hoopus. You can follow me at Twitter on Twitter at Jake Painting, J-A-K-E-P-A-Y-N-T-I-N-G. Um, today will be will be draft centric again. Uh, I'll be joined by my first guest, and we'll just go through some some rapid fire draft questions. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's introduce our guest. He um, he writes great work over at A Wolf Among Wolves. He's the host of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast, and he also runs a really great YouTube account. Um, welcome to the show, Brendan Hedke. Thanks for having me, man. No worries. Um, so how how's everything at the moment over there with with the lockdown and the coronavirus stuff? You, you managing? Yeah, I'm trying to manage. Our county was down pretty significantly for the most part and now we recently have hit a spike in numbers because testing improved so it's kind of we're seeing a big increase in cases in our county yeah it's it's really bad especially compared to here it's it's really bad over there and i I hate seeing you know all my all my u.s friends kind of going through it it's not it's obviously still prevalent over here but it's it's much better we're kind of down to like under 20 cases a day so, yeah, I think it's mainly because we're, we're an island as well, so it was easier to just kind of lock the whole thing down as soon as it started. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to watch all my, all my American friends going through that stuff. Um, so, yeah, we'll just, we'll just do some rapid-fire draft questions. Um, I know you, you know a ton about the draft as well, and you've been writing and um, tweeting a lot about the draft, so I'm, I'm interested to see... Um, your thoughts on that so we'll just start with the first question pretty straightforward um who's who's your first pick if you were you know the gm with, with the first overall pick who, who would you be taking right so i think it's kind of interesting depending on what your team needs realistically um most teams if i was running most teams i would probably select Lamelo ball but there is a case to be made for some teams to take like wiseman or Okongwu, or even some people might say, like, Anthony Edwards might fit their team better. Like, the Warriors may not take, like, LaMelo due to having a really good front court already, or back court, so. Yeah. But yeah. I would say LaMelo Ball is my number one pick in this draft. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think, I think I'd think i be surprised if, yeah, like, the Warriors team took LaMelo, especially with the, the inherent risk with him, or with I think all of the top players in this draft have a ton of bust potential. Really, it's it's a pretty weak class. But um, I think yeah, I think they'd take Wiseman personally. I I went with Edwards. I know that I'm a bit higher on Edwards than than a lot of other people. But I think um, I think wings that can kind of you know initiate their own offense, um, score, pass, um, play defense. It's all. It's all very kind of subjective with him because he can do all those things, but whether he does do them consistently is another question. But I think if you're willing to take a punt on on a high reward player, I think Edwards is the guy for me. He has a lot of things you can't really teach and a lot of things that if he shows the effort all the time, I think that he'll turn out to be the best player in this draft more than likely. Yeah, and I think the same goes for Lamello Ball. I think... He's got a lot of things wrong with him, but I think the high, the things that are good with him, if he um, if he kind of hits that potential, then he's going to be a super player. Um, all right, let's let's go into number two. Um, that one was kind of a, a, 
pretty uh, simple one. Who, who's your Who's your personal favorite? Not really. Or favorites, one, but I have four guys in mind that I really like. Sadiq Bay is one that I've really grown to like as I study him more and looking in the draft more. I think he's a player that many people don't really look at him as like a top prospect, but he could be maybe even one of the biggest sleepers of this draft too, but we'll talk about that later. So Sadiq Bey's one. Uh, Devin Vassell, or Vassell, however you say his name, he uh, he's a favorite of mine as well. And then Tyrell Terry, I like him due to his connections with yeah, the knew, state. Yeah, I knew you were high on Terry. Yeah, I knew, and then I knew I you were high really on Terry. Like Killian Hayes too, and people seem to be all over the board on him. I don't know. My thoughts are mixed with having him on the Timberwolves due to him being very similar to LaMelo where they're left-handed guards that really can't go right in that situation. But I do like Killian Hayes, and I think he has a lot of potential. Yeah, I I think I'm the same with with Hayes. I think um, I I do like his potential, but the first thing is it's hard to watch film on him as well because um, he's just so hard to find find games and stuff um, in the French League with Hayes. But um, yeah, I do like him. I think, like you said, he he loves his left hand. I think he's um a little bit like D'Angelo Russell in that, you know, in that vein that he kind of is that left hand, left hand dominant guy that doesn't love going right, doesn't get to the ring as much as he probably could. Um, so I think yeah, he's a little bit redundant with with um D'Angelo Russell. But I do I do like Hayes. It's just so hard to find film on him enough for me to watch and kind of get a really good read on him. Um. Um, Bay Bay's one that I haven't I haven't watched much of. I know you're high on Bay, and um, and I I know a few other guys who are high on him. So um, he's kind of one that I've been trying to get around to, but there's just so much to watch and so little time to do it. So oh, there's a lot of time to do it since we're in lockdown. But you know, there's so many players to get to. Um, what do you like about Terry? I haven't I haven't really watched much about Terry. Yeah, so Terry's stroke is like one of the smoothest shot forms in the entire uh, college basketball and definitely one of the best in the drafts where he just looks so smooth shooting the ball that I think it's going to translate really well and I think he can be like a secondary scorer maybe come off the he's never going to be like a star but I think he can come off the bench and provide that scoring punch or just even like a shooter that's just gonna shoot 40 to 42 percent from the field I think his form, his shooting mechanics, everything like that is really nice about him. And he, that's his like NBA-ready skill. A lot of people talk about those NBA-ready skills. He might not have a lot of them, but he's his shooting is one that is worth taking if you need a shooter. Like maybe the 76ers need a shooter. They can take Terry to do some of that for him. Yeah, and I think, I think having one really ready NBA skill is kind of better than having a bunch that might be ready. I think... In the long term, that might be better, but I think when you come in, if you can shoot the lights out, that's um that's a skill that, that translates straight away. I think we saw that kind of with Jarrett Culver, how he um had a bunch of skills that that theoretically could be really good, but none of them were yet, and he kind of saw him struggle yeah straight and I away. Think, I think the opposite kind of happened with Akogi, where he had his NBA ready skill, which was like his point of attack defense. And that's yeah. translated really well to the NBA. Some of the other stuff hasn't. Like, he was a much better shooter in college, but that wasn't considered to be his NBA-ready skill. It was his point-of-attack defense and his energy, which we've definitely seen at the NBA level. 
Yeah, Atogi's one of them guys who kind of is like the um the the prototype for not judging college guys straight away on what they did in college. Because when I researched him when, after we drafted him, like, he didn't strike me as like this hellacious um, point of attack defender. I thought he was solid, mm-hmm. but he was he was a good shooter. He was a good scorer. I think he averaged like over eighteen points a game. And then he kind of comes into the NBA and um, he, he can't really do much at all on on offense. So um, that's he's definitely one of the guys I keep in mind when I'm trying to trying to study um, prospects because you just never know when they get to the the bigger leagues. Yeah, like I when we drafted a Kogi in that 2018 draft, I remember I was with my brothers and I said, I don't know who this guy is. And I like to keep this was before I started writing, but I like to keep up with the draft some and I had no idea who yeah. Josh Kogi was. So it's interesting where some of these people can come out of the woodwork and really be a good player in the NBA when a lot of people don't know them out of college. I think the NCAA tournament would have been a big thing for us to really get a good look at some of these prospects and have people like raise their draft stock or have their stock fall. We didn't get that, so I think this draft will be interesting to see how that affects how teams do. Yeah, yeah, I think a, a lot of the time, kind of players players rise so much in the tournament, which uh, is you know for better or worse. We I think saw sometimes players Jones in twenty fifteen, he rose <laughs> that final yeah. run solidified him as a first round draft pick. Yeah, and I think sometimes it works out, and other times it kind of pushes people's stock a bit too high, where they you know have a have a good run of of four or five games, and all of a sudden they're a lottery talent when probably. In reality, you know the the thirty game sample size beforehand was was probably a better a better you know way to gauge them. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so I'll I'll get into mine. Um, my personal favorite, obviously, like I raved about Devin Vassell last week, so I'm not going to go too much into him. Right. I think you you said as well he's one of your favorites. I just think he's kind of he's a perfect fit for so many teams. His team defense um raises ceilings, uh, raises floors. Sorry, on teams and um. If he becomes the shooter that he looks like he can become, um, I think he he's a really really good three and D prospect, and I think they're really valuable at the moment. I don't think he'll ever be a, a true star, but I'm not sure how many players will in this draft. Yeah. But I think he's one of, one of the most surefire kind of um, high floor, high ceiling kind of guys. Um, but I'll so I chose another one because I didn't want I didn't want to you know kind of. Uh, um, Talked about Vassell too much. Um, I went with uh, Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. So the Kentucky guard. Um, average 14, 14 points, four rebounds, three assists. So no, nothing kind of overly um, overly flashy. But um, I think he's got a really good, like, really good floater game, really good finish around the rim. He, d- he didn't shoot very well. He only shot about 30% this year. But I think um, I think he's a better shooter than that. He was a better shooter in high school. Um he kind of has a nice looking. He has nice looking form. Nice touch on his um, free throws and his and his shots around the rim. So that gives me confidence that he could become a better shooter. I'm not sure what his position is really in the NBA. Like I think he's six three. You know, two hundred pounds. So that's point guard size. But he's obviously averaged. You know, three assists. He's not the best kind of table setter. But um. I think he could definitely thrive as kind of that that combo guard off the bench, like a six man, uh, like a high high minute six man kind of guy. Um, he just does a lot of things well. He's a way better defender than than you kind of think he would be at at six three two hundred. Um, really good team defender. Um, 
he's got one of the one of the higher you know defensive box plus minuses for all all guards in the NCAA. So um yeah, I'm a really I'm a really big believer in Tyrese Maxey. If he could slip to sixteen, which I think is kind of a little bit of a uh, wishful thinking, but um if he slipped to sixteen, I'd be wrapped if Minnesota uh, could pick him up. Do you think that uh, Vassell will last to 16, or do you, are you convinced he'll go before that? Because at the beginning of my draft stuff, it was looking like he would probably last to about that pick, but now I'm feeling like he's going in that 8 to 12 range more than lasting to 16. Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i the same. I started When I started, it seemed like he was going to be, yeah, like, like, you know, 12 to 18. But the more mock drafts I see and the more people, you know, you can never tell because, like, right. draft Twitter and whatnot is not, not the best way to, you know, that's not how the way GMs and stuff are thinking. But um, I think I'd be surprised if he lasted past 12. I think uh, I think New Orleans at 13, I'd be surprised if he got past them. I think he'd be a really good fit for them. So yeah, I think if true. you're Minnesota and, and you want to get him, you probably get him if you if you move down in the lottery and maybe get him at like six or seven, which might be a reach, but I th- I'd still be pretty happy with that pick. Yeah, and it seems like Maxie's kind of had the opposite thing where when I first looked into him, he was more in that seven to eight range, and now he's falling a little bit to like 12, 13. And so if he gets to 16 and we have the 16th pick, I think he's worth taking a look at. Yeah, for sure, and I think Bay. I think Bay's definitely the kind of guy who will be there at sixteen. I think mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if a team kind of reached a little bit at you know at ten, twelve, thirteen to get him. But he seems like the most likely guy out of the ones we talked about to kind of definitely be there at sixteen. Right. Um. All right. We're going to question three. Um. Um. So, who do you think you're? I know you mentioned a little bit before, but who do you think the biggest sleepers are? Okay, so I talked about Tyrell Terry. I think. Some people are really low on him and some people are really high on him, but I think the overall consensus, they're kind of low on him. So I think he's kind of a sleeper. Desmond Bain from TCU, I like him. Problem with him is he's 21 years old. Same thing with um, Sadiq Bay. Like they're 21 years old, so they're not young players coming to the draft at age 18, 19, stuff like that. Tyler Bay is another person. Um, Trey Jones, Daniel Latour. I thought I all think they're better than what they're getting like recognition for. So, but I'm not too big on like sleepers because usually it seems like the draft has a little bit more of a consensus, and this one seems to be all over the place. So it's hard to pick out a sleeper because yeah. someone might have someone going undrafted, and then someone might have them in the first round. I've seen that with Daniel Oturu. He's going 25th in one draft, and he's not even drafted in the next person. So it's hard for me to pick a true sleeper. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely one of them drafts where it's just all over the place. Like Guys like um, like Vernon Carey and stuff, I've seen him go, go in the 20s, and then I've seen him go late in the second round. Mm-hmm. I've seen you know guys like, like Kira Lewis, who was one of the guys I had down, I think, um, I've seen him during the lottery. I know a lot of people, like a lot of the draft Twitter guys are um, pretty high on him in the lottery and then other places where he's going in the 30s or the 40s. Um, I do think Lewis is a good player. He's kind of really, he's really small, but he's um, he's like quick and shifty, gets to the ring, shoots the ball well, shoots pull-ups well, passes pretty well. So he's a guy I think is a bit of a sleeper. Desmond Bain. As you as you said, I'm I'm leading the bandwagon on Desmond Bain. Yeah. I think um, he he's definitely the guy I want in the second round. I think 
in the second round, if you're picking a 21-year-old at, at 33, I think you, you're not too right. worried about kind of how how high their potential is. I think they've obviously still got room to grow at 21, but it's not kind of um, you're not losing too much by having a player who's who's two or three years older than right. than a freshman. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, um, I had another one, uh, Xavier Tillman from uh, Michigan State. I think he's. I'm not sure how he pans out at the next level, but he's a he was a really good player in college. He he def- doesn't shoot. He's a, he's six foot eleven, doesn't shoot, but he um he's really good in the paint. Really good pick and roll um, scorer and passer. Um, defends the rim really well. He's he's really strong. So um he's he's the kind of guy who I wouldn't mind having as a backup center. I'm not. I've you know been known as not a huge Nas Reed believer, but um I don't think Rosas would take him over Nas just because he doesn't shoot threes. But he's the kind of guy I think who could like walk into the NBA and help a help a good team off the bench as a center. But um yeah I think I think like you said there's a lot of a lot of guys who could be classified as sleepers. But um you never really know do you? half the sleepers end up as players who don't end up playing in the league and then half of them end up as as good rotation guys it's just it's a it's a trap shoot right for sure um all right number four um yeah question four who do you think has the most bust potential or most likely to be a bust okay i don't know how you feel about this player i haven't seen maybe you talk about him a lot i just haven't seen it but someone i'm really down on that everybody else seems to be really high on is Obi Toppin from Dayton. I'm very low on him. I think he doesn't move well. His lateral quickness is not there. He gets blown past. He's an okay defender in the paint because he's big, but he can't defend the perimeter at all. It's horrendous defense. So, I don't know. I think he has a low ceiling. I don't think the player he can be is like a star player by any means. And people are drafting him in the top five, and I... I think he's more of like a 20th pick around there. I think he could be a really big bust. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's that's not the guy I had down, but I definitely agree with you on that. I think, like you said, his, his lateral movement and his, his hip movement is just so bad. He's not going to be able to switch onto anyone or play on any, any you know, stretch four types. I think even in the paint, like you said, he's strong, but he, he doesn't move well. He doesn't read, you know, read post moves well at all. He's not going to block a lot of shots. I think he, he's really good offensively, um, but I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he can be like a Carl a Anthony Towns, say, where he kind of scrapes by by being like generational offensively. I think he's kind of just like a, a good offensive player and a really bad defensive player. And I don't think yeah. that that cuts it as, as a five. I don't think he'll be a power forward at the next level. I think he has to be a five. Yeah, and he I can't think guard. he doesn't possess the post moves either that I think takes to be like a really quality power forward at the next level either. So I, I'm not high on him. Yeah. I think if you, if you can't, if you can't defend the rim overly well or defend in space, and then you're not going to be like really, really good offensively. I just don't see how you ever become more than kind of a a rotation player. Mm -hmm. I don't think he, I don't think he'll be out of the league bad, but I don't see him being like a, a star or a fringe star. Um, my one, you're not going to like this, um, is LaMelo Ball. I think he does have a lot uh, of bust potential. I, I'm not going to argue with you there. I think his, he's, he's boomer bust in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think uh, uh, um, obviously it's easier. He's the easiest guy for me to watch because obviously I'm in Australia and I can um, I can watch all of the games on like mm-hmm. um, on the the sports channels over here. So I've been binge watching him. Um, he's a, like to start off with, he's a ridiculous passer. Like no two ways about that. He is a he'll walk into the league as a special passer from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the angles and and the passes he just creates out of nowhere really are crazy, like almost best in the league from day one. But um, I just think apart from that, like he, he, he's he got good handles, but I don't think he creates his shot very well. Like he doesn't get a lot of space with his handles. His shot mechanics are still all over the place. They're definitely better than they were at, at Spire, and they seem to be getting better kind of by the game, which is encouraging. But I think it's a long way before he's ever like a, a 36% shooter. And the way he he's like his shot selection makes that even harder because he he just loves shooting silly shots. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really hurts him. And then I think the biggest thing is is the defense. I think I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be surprised if he's never been asked to play proper defense until this year. He just looks so lost, and you know he can't fight through screens. He can't stay in front of his man individually. He's just he's really undersized strength-wise. I think the fact that he had to play against grown grown men probably probably hurt him in that in that um case a little bit. Like he probably would have looked a, bit, a little bit better if he was playing against 19-year-olds to having defend having to defend, you know, other point guards who are who are kind of his size instead of, you know, 200 230 240 pound guys. But when he gets but, into um, the NBA, he's going to have to be guarding grown that's, men. That's yeah. Th- those guys are even better than the players playing in the NBL. So at the college level could have maybe helped them get a little bit of confidence defensively. But yeah. the NBA is going to be even tougher. The only thing I have with his defense is, I mean, he's got the length to guard, but his brother Lonzo is such a good defender that maybe you think there's a little bit of hope for him, but I'm I'm not certain how much realistically but you can pray for that he has the tools yeah i to think do it. yeah i think that's the that's the um the glass half full kind of is with lonzo and they're, and they're kind of similar size i guess like length and height wise i think lonzo was always a little bit bigger yeah build wise but um i think the main problem with the defense more than just the you know the physical limitations and stuff is is the effort Mm-hmm. I think he just he doesn't try enough. I don't, like there's so many times where he just he'll he'll hit the screen and it's not that I I think he struggles to fight through them, but then he just doesn't even try to fight through them. He'll just let himself get screened off and let someone else deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then I think the same thing on offense is he he doesn't he, when he does get to the he can get to the rim fairly well, but he avoids contact like it's the plague. Yeah, and he like that's going to hurt him so much at the next level. I know he's not going to be a player who kind of like forces his way through things but if you try and go up and under and around every single rim protector instead of just trying to get to the line um that really hurts your your efficiency at the rim and i think i think that's a big problem i think i just point guards who don't project project to be a good shooter or a good defender just stinks of bust to me Mm -hmm. um but He's a special passer, and he's going to be a fun player to watch. I think, like, even if he he's worse in the league, bad on defense, he's going to be one of them guys where, like, 
he's going to be on, on on House of Highlights and, and Bleacher Report from from day one. Um, all right, so let's let's go to question five. We'll finally put out on our Timberwolves glasses. Um, so who do you think are the best is the best fit for Minnesota or best fits? You know, at, at either pitch. So it's interesting because the general consensus is the team needs a power forward to play next to Towns. But the other general consensus is this draft doesn't have a power forward really that can play next to Towns that also is like a shooter. Like some people might argue Wiseman or Okongwu to play next to Towns and be a defender, but neither of those two are going to stretch it out and shoot like the team wants. So I didn't really have a power forward to put. I put Sadiq Bey because I think he's... He's like 6'8", and he's not like a skinny 6'8", where Devin Vassell's kind of lanky. Bay's a little yeah. more built. Yeah, I don't think Vassell, I don't think Vassell could play, um, could play the four, really. Like, maybe pinch hit at the four, Vassell, but I don't think you could, you could like, start him at the four like like Yeah, Kevin and I think you could almost use um, uh, Sadiq Bay in that role where he plays four every now and then. He's not going to do it the entire game, but I think he could pinch hit in that four role a little bit but I think he's just such a good shooter that I think that would help the team out too and even if you run him at a small forward and find somebody else to play that power forward because we don't have a solidified small forward we have a Kogi but he's like 6'4 Beasley's not big enough to always play um small forward he's not guarding LeBron he's not guarding Paul George Kawhi anybody like that but then yeah. another person, I think Trey Jones would be a really good backup point guard to come in, as much as I like Jordan McLaughlin. Yep. I think Jones is a good passer. He's a good defender. He showed improvement in his shot and his scoring ability. And I think he'd be someone you could maybe snag in the second round with like the 34th pick or whatever pick we're going to have. I think he's someone you could maybe take there and gamble. Not even a gamble. It's That could be your backup point guard. Yeah, I'd like, I think Jones would be a good pick in the second round. And, and I think, like you said, I think this team needs a small forward kind of just as much as it needs a power forward. Like, obviously, the power forward, especially if Wancho leaves or doesn't, you know, doesn't come get re-signed, I think the power forward would be, like, the most glaring position. But I don't think... I don't think Yukari's a starting three in the league. I don't think... I think he, he's a really good kind of energy player off the bench and even, you know... Um, I think he could even be a starter on certain teams as a two, but I don't think he's he's ever going to be a starting three. Um, so yeah, I, I think definitely looking for a small forward somewhere in this draft would would be beneficial. Um, I had obviously I think um, like Vassell or Edwards. I think if it's like top three or top you know four to seven, they were my guys. We talked about that before. Um, I had Sadiq Bay as well. I, I know I haven't watched as much of him as I'd like, but um, I think at sixteen he's good value. Uh, I think a guy like Patrick Williams would be a good pick, like, as you said, as a four. I don't think he, he think he's a bit too young and inexperienced to come in and really, like, start, you know, 32 minutes as, as a power forward. But I think he's the kind of guy who should groom to be that, that starting power forward eventually. Um, 18 years old, he kind of defends the rim well. He rotates really well as a defender. He's, he shot, I think, 32% on threes, but he's got a really, like, really nice shot motion shot a higher percentage from the free throw line, so that's a good good indicator that um that he could be a good shooter. I think he's the kind of guy he could mould into like that that stretch four who can also defend the rim. And they're kind of I think they're like the 
one of the most valuable archetypes around at the moment that um yeah that stretch four who can still defend on the other end um so he's definitely one of the guys i like um i think in the second round like i said bain um tillman maybe if they don't if they don't like reed um i like a few other guys like like devin dotson and emmanuel quickly i think they're both um both good players. I'm not sure how they turn out the next level, but I think Dotson's a really good backup point guard. Like you said, like I, I like McLaughlin, um, but I'm not sure if what's going on with him. Obviously, I think if they if they think they can get a better player in the draft, they definitely should. I think Jones or Dotson um, would both be really good picks there. And Emmanuel quickly, he's a strange one. He um he like he led Kentucky in scoring. And they had some good players. They had, you know, Maxi and um, Ashton Hagens, like some really good, you know, scoring guards. And he still kind of led them in scoring. He shot 42% from three. He shot an over 90% on five free throws a game. So that's um that's a really good indicator of a good shooter. But I'm just not sure kind of what else he does really well. I'm not even sure he's a, he's a high-volume three-point shooter. He was kind of just like a bit of a do-it-all player at Kentucky. But... um. I think you take a flyer on him at 33. I I, did, I haven't got this written down, but um, do you think they'll trade one of the picks? So I talked to um, both Logan Elton and also Lucas Siafer about this, and you it's hard to think that Rosas isn't going to really look into it. You, I'm certain he is checking every option. I wouldn't be surprised if he trades one of them. Again, I have no inside knowledge whatsoever. But just from watching him do his work and everything he's done in Houston and here, I think that there's a decent chance he trades both. I think we should use both unless we're getting a solidified star with one of them. I think try and hit the target, hit the bullseye on maybe one of the picks. But I wouldn't be surprised if he trades one of them what do you what's your take on that yeah I, I think I'm the same I think like you said I've got no um no inside knowledge but I'd be surprised if he's not looking to to get a a really solid rotation player who's already kind of you know solidified themselves in the NBA I think the draft's pretty weak I, I'd be I think they might trade the first one I think it's kind of the draft where you just like even if you can trade down to 10 and especially if it's like, you know, the one, two or three, um, if you can trade down to like 10, 10 to 15 and get two, two late lottery picks and maybe, a you know, an asset back, I think that's something that they, they definitely look at. I think it's, it's hard to imagine them taking all three picks, especially when they've already got like a, a full roster and still players who, um, who are on non-guaranteed contracts like, um, Noel and, and Vanderbilt and stuff. So I think yeah I think that there's some decisions to be made and I think if you're going to bring in three guys from the draft then you you've made them decisions a lot harder. So I would I think if there's the right deal out there they'll definitely be looking to to shop that pick around any of those picks. Yeah, for sure. Rosas is not nobody's safe. I don't think besides Cat and Dilo right now I don't think anybody's yeah. really safe. So. Yeah, I think I think this team's not good enough to kind of you know rest on their laurels, and I think I think Rosas knows that he seems to be pretty aggressive, you know, in trying to trying to make this team better and execute his vision pretty quickly, and I think that's the right thing. I don't 
I don't think it's kind of playoffs or bust this year, but I think if they're a really bad team and then they, you know, they get pick four or whatever next year and they give it to, to Golden State, I think that's, um, that's one way to kind of turn the fan base against you pretty quick. Right. Um, yeah, but, um, that, yeah, that was kind of an, an unplanned one, but I've, I've been thinking about that over the last few days. And I just, um, wanted to get your, your thoughts on it. Um, so, um, player that you thought that was good at the college level but didn't pan out in the big leagues, won't pan out in the big leagues, won't pan out in the NBA? So, usually I like a player because they, like, I think they're going to pan out, which yeah. is kind of, but at the college level, there's a lot of players that just don't pan out. You see all these senior players like Marcus Howard and these guys that, like, they're good in college. You saw it with Carson Edwards, like, yeah. I mean, he's still in the league. He's not. He's probably not going to leave the league anytime soon, but he's not going to be a star like he was in college. So there's a number of players like that, but I can't really pinpoint anyone. The couple that I can, that I really like, but might not really pan out, are Denny Avdia and um, Poku. I don't know how to say his name at all. Yeah, yeah, Prokochevsky, maybe? Yeah, I haven't done yeah. a lot of research on him, but I, I do feel the same way about him. Either way, it's like, I think that they're kind of, and I talked about this with Logan, and I'm not comparing them to Giannis or Luca, but it's like, they need the perfect team that's going to develop them, more like Giannis. Giannis had to take years to develop, and I see that with some of them, and if they don't go to the right team, maybe they don't develop like that. If they go to, I don't know, Detroit or Charlotte or something that isn't known for developing players, maybe they don't pan out if they go to like toronto per se then they have a better chance of panning out and turning into something more valuable so those are the two i like rj hampton i think he didn't perform great in the nbl from what i understand but he was playing against like we've talked grown men that he might not have been ready for yet but i could see a world where he doesn't pan out too but i do like him Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think the same about Hampton. I haven't I haven't watched a heap of him. I've kind of been focusing more on on Ball in the NBL. But um, the few games that Ball played against them, I thought he was he shows a lot of potential. I still think he's kind of a, a do a lot of things okay player, but not do anything really well. So I think that kind of hurts him. And like you said, it's it's hard to gauge in in the NBL because they're grown men who are kind of playing to feed their families mm-hmm. rather than you know playing for for um you know, college recognition or to, to be a first-round draft pick or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I do like Hampton as well. Like you said, with the, with the European guys, I think both of them, not to kind of stereotype them as, as European guys, but, like, I think they're the kind of players who could be, like, uh, like Poetry could be the Porzingis or he could be, you know, the, the Darko. Like, yep. they, um, exactly. I think they're, I think if they don't pan out, they're going to be really bad players. I think Avija as well. I like, I like him, but I think there's a real scenario where he just can't shoot well enough or create his own shot well enough to to, to kind of like make his other skills pop. I think he's a really good passer at, at six foot seven or, or whatever, and uh, like he's a um, he's a pretty good defender as well, like uh, team defender. But none of that stuff really matters if you can't score at all. And you're not even going to be able to kind of start on a team. Like you're not going to be being a, good, a decent passer and a decent defender off the bench, isn't going to kind of 
um, you know, elongate your career. Right. I think people are hoping that Avdija turns into Luca after Luca came in and really took over the NBA and give some hope to like European basketball. I think there's a lot of good players that come from Europe, but I don't want the standard to be Luca because not everybody's yeah. going to be Luca. Luca's oh, a transcendent no. type player, and I think like the less educated people covering drafts, which might even include like me, they hope that Luca or that Avdija is going to turn into Luca when it's more likely he's going to be like a a Gallinari type of that caliber of player. That's more like his ceiling in my opinion which is still a good player but i don't want people getting their hopes up too much for him yeah i think it was the same i think it was the same with like dirk back in the day you know what i mean like everyone thought the next wave of um of european guys were going to be dirk because they were tall and they could shoot and i think it kind of just lumps you know unfair expectations onto those guys and then when they're only solid nba players um everyone kind of thinks they're a bust when it's it's more like that was probably their their ceiling to begin with, and I think Luca is he's obviously not not very athletic and yeah. stuff, so he's easy he's easy to compare with guys who aren't jumping out of the gym. But he's he's you know ancillary skills and you know his um intangibles are just off the page. Like the way he creates his own shot, you know, despite the not having heaps of athleticism and the way he can pass. He, the way he, like he's one of the best passers in the league, you know what I mean. He's not just a good passer for for a six foot eight guy. He's like right. a good a good passer, full stop. And I think yeah, to even to even put Denny in the same same vein as him, I think is unfair on Denny because I think he could be a good player, but he's he's got a long way to do, to go before he's a superstar. I'd be hesitant drafting him in the top ten. I think I think he's a late lottery pick. Yeah. Um, I went with well. I think like we discussed before. I went. I said Toppin. I think uh, it's hard. I when I watch him, I think like you kind of watch him and think like shit. He's a good player. Do you know what I mean? Like because yeah. he just dominated at Dayton. He's right. he probably won the best player of the year for a reason. Like he's not a yeah. scrub by any means. Yeah, and I think it's hard to yeah, it's hard to watch him and and kind of be like oh he he's bad because he just is really good. And Dayton were a good team, you know, despite not having really any other any other big threats on their team. Um, so that I think you've got to take that into account. But also, like like we said, he's just there's just a lot of red flags when it gets to the next level. A lot of things that are just gonna work in his favour when he has to go up against NBA level athletes and, and NBA level level big men who've, you know, been been banging bodies with big men for years rather than kind of um, where in college, where he's physically dominant and his shooting stands out a bit more, I still I think he I think he'll still be a good shooter at the next level. I think that's the thing that's going to kind of stand out with him because yeah, the way you move and you know your um, your lateral movement and stuff doesn't matter as much mm-hmm. as a shooter. If you can shoot, you can shoot. He he'll still be good in like um pick and pop and and spot up situations. But I don't think, yeah, I don't think he'll ever be kind of the top seven pick that he's going to be. Like he's he's definitely going to go high. Someone's going to going to take him high, and I think they'll end up being pretty disappointed with him. Yeah. But um, the other guy I had was um Aaron Neesmith. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of guys are high on him. He, but he he reeks of of fizzle out to me. I think he shoots it really well. 
but um, he didn't. Ha- he he got injured. I'm not sure how many games exactly he played, but he got injured pretty early, which um, you know, limits the regression to the mean, kind of kind of um, potential with him. I think if he had played a bit longer, he would have um, he would have probably uh, probably saw his percentages drop a little bit, and. Outside of that, he's just not. He just doesn't do anything else very well. Like he doesn't get to the ring. He doesn't pass the ball very well. He can't really play and pick and roll. Um, he he's a pretty bad defender. I just think I think there's a place there's a place for shooters in the league that don't do much else. But you have to be you know a, a Duncan Robertson type shooter. Yeah, like, like you can't elite, you can, an elite level yeah shooter. you can't be thirty eight you can't. Shooter. Yeah, you can't be 38% and do nothing else. I think you have to be, you know, 42% if you're going to do nothing else, and that's a pretty high bar to set. So I think Neesmith is one of the guys. I don't think he's going to get taken really high, but if he's late lottery, you know, mid-early 20s, I still think he's one of them guys who whose floor is just really low. I think if he doesn't yeah. shoot it very well, he'll be out of the league in, you know, five There's years. players... I would want over him that do the same thing, but then also provide elsewhere, like Sadiq Bay, yeah. Devin Vassell, or even like Patrick Williams can shoot a little bit. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that's more valuable where you can play some defense than just be a shooter. Yeah, I think you you sacrifice a few you know percentage points off the three point shot, and you get you know guys who can rebound a bit better, guys who can defend in a team defense a bit better. Or even you know playing a play a bit of pick and roll um, as a ball handler, I think that's way more valuable than just being able to able to shoot at at a semi high clip. There's decent shooters are a dime a dozen. I think at the moment you can pick one up off off the waiver wire or off you know in the free agent uh, in free agency pool at any time. I don't think um I don't think you spend a, a first round draft pitch salary on on a guy who can't do much else. Um, is there any other ones? And so that that's about it, I think. Um, I did. Ha- I had a lot of fun talking draft with you. Um, I know. I don't even know when the draft will will happen. No one knows when the draft will happen, or even when when the lottery will happen. But um, it's kind of good to to have something to watch, study prospects, and um, keep yourself busy. I guess when there's no NBA to watch. Yeah. Um. So are they? Has the NBL? Is their season just over in general, or are they? playing it all over there or what's going on with basketball and sports in in your country uh so uh, just as this started it was in the grand final the like the final series so i think it's a best of three and i think it was at like game two when the lockdown started and i think they just like got the last game out and then the season finished so it kind of it kind of worked out pretty well um apart from that no no other sport going on over here um, so like we normally have like Australian rules football, mm-hmm. which is kind of you know our um our NFL I guess so like that's the biggest sport over here in general. Um, that played one round and then got cancelled. So everything's pretty much on hold here. It seems like restrictions will be letting up soon, but um I don't think we'll see sport for a while. I'm not sure. Like what do you think will happen with the NBA? Do you think it it'll come back as in the season or straight to playoffs or not come back at all? I think they'll probably do something to play the playoffs. There's no way we finish the regular season because we're already going to have to push back next season. I could see them shortening the playoffs too. Maybe the 
first round is three games, then five, then seven, seven, just to shorten stuff up. I don't, I am not sure. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but time will tell. Nobody knows the answer yet. There's no answer yet. Yeah. The NBA doesn't know. Well, there's not even we a... don't know. They're not hiding it from us. They just don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah, and there's not even a, a you know an end date kind of insight. Mm-hmm. So to even start planning what they're gonna do would be would be futile, I think. But um, I think it'd be exciting if they did like a like a best of three playoff series. I think you'd see an upset or two. Yeah. Um, Teams can get. I just want basketball back. So yeah, four game, or two games is a lot easier to win than four games. So, but. I think yeah. the teams and the players are going to understand that things aren't going to be normal for this season and next season. Things are going to change, and it might not be fair, but it's what needs to happen to crown a champion and bring basketball back. So basketball is an interesting sport yeah. where a lot of contact with like between the two teams, passing the ball back and forth. Unlike you know baseball and football, there's less contact. Well, football has a decent amount, but like there's less contact where like a possible outbreak could happen in the league where basketball everybody's touching the same ball their sweats getting on it and i think that could really turn out badly if they started up too soon yeah and i think yeah it's and the fans are so close you know like yeah, the, the court won't. side seats are so close that i think fans will be there no matter what happens i think the fans like they're pretty much done for the season. It's going to be a while before think, fans are in the stands for sports in the United States, at least. Yeah, yeah. I think either way, even I think the goal is just to kind of do whatever you can this season, and then get next season up and running and try and like hopefully that can run normal. But even at this point, it's that it doesn't look like that could even run normal. Do you know what I mean? Right. Until all this kind of passes over, so who knows? What are your thoughts on uh, kind of switching? gears here a little bit what are your thoughts on Lamelo ball buying the the hawks down in australia what do you think about that uh it's a boss move <laughs> like i just like i came in here like, playing I, bought, for a... I played for this team and i'm leaving now i'm gonna buy i'm buying this team yeah yeah like and he he didn't even play the full season that they, they were terrible as yeah. well and i think they were struggling for for you know money and mm-hmm. stuff it's not it's it's not. I think the the good teams kind of get a fair bit of money in the NBL, but it's definitely not like a booming league. I couldn't. I think even over here, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a when he was looking for somewhere to go. It was like a you play for us, and we will sell this team to you when you go. Like I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that was set before he came there, and they just waited until after he was done playing for them to like finalize deals and stuff like that. Yeah, that would make sense because it was all, it was a strange decision I think to to play there. Like they were they weren't a very good team. Um, like it's not like Illawarra is in New South Wales, but it's not like a big a big place. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's like like Sydney and Melbourne are kind of you know your 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 LA and New York if you want to compare them. You know what I mean? So it's weird that he didn't go to one of them teams. I'm sure he would have had offers from every team to go and play there once they they found out that he was considering it. Yeah. So it would make sense that they kind of already had that in place. And then, um, yeah, they finalise it after the season. But like I said, it's a boss move to just play for a team for not even the full season. He played for like half the season. They were terrible. And then he just bought the team and left. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) And went and and became a top three pick in the NBA. Yeah. So I'm not trying to take over the podcast, but we didn't really touch on this. And I wanted to get your your thought. Um, 
I mentioned it earlier, but we didn't talk about it. Okongwu and Wiseman, that type of player. Do you want that type of player playing next to Cat, or do you want the stretchy four type? Like, we know how the team feels about it, but how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a tough one because I do like Okongwu. I'm not huge on Wiseman, but I can see the potential, you know, there. I think I think that it'd be a good fit next to Cat. Like, in Okongwu, I think he'd be a good fit next to Cat. He defends the rim. You know, he cat just cat spaces the floor so much. Mm-hmm. It's it's like I don't think you need to play five out. I think there's teams that play four out offenses and survive just fine. So I th- even even Houston when they when Capella was there, like they were the kind of you know most modern team in the NBA, um, and, and they still at all, so. and Capella sat in the dunker spot, you know, for the whole game and just ran pick and rolls, and they managed just fine. I think. I think it would work well. I, I would like to see them try it. I think it's... I don't think they will, like you said. Like, they, they seem to be pretty committed to Cat at the five, but I don't want to see them kind of get two years down down the road and Cat still can't defend, and then they're like, oh, maybe we should try yeah. playing at the four when everyone's kind of been streaming for it for for the last three years. I, I think I think you should just, like... Even if it's not a Honda or it's not, like, a, a high... Like a guy you're paying, you know, six to nine million a year. But if it's someone you just pick up as a backup center and then give it a test, and then you're like, you know, yeah. oh wow, like this, this works. I think it's worth Danny a shot Lutulu rather than just completely. Could yeah, like if you yeah, if you pick up a late a late guy, and he can he can even spread the floor some. He proved that in college. So like, try someone. I think for them to even consider it, the person would have to be an elite rim defender or like a very good rim defender. Yeah. And have the ability to step out, so then Cat can go to work. I don't think they at least to the at least to the corner, like yeah, at least, yeah, at least space out to the corner. I think you know what I mean, just so you can even you Tosh can post Gibson, up catches. You... Taj Gibson stepped out to the corner a decent amount his seasons with the Wolves, especially his second season with the Wolves, and let Cat have a little bit more room. I mean, he wasn't doing it a lot, but he had a number of threes that that second season he was here too. So. Yeah, and I think I think that's the difference between the Houston comparison is that Cat still needs needs to go to work on the block, whereas Houston never had anyone that needed to have space inside. Obviously, like Harden and stuff, but like on the on drives, but Cat's still going to get a fair chunk of his of his points, you know, on the block. So I think you can't kind of have guys who are just going to clog up the whole lane, and Cat gets doubled already every time he touches mm-hmm. the ball on the block. So if you if you sit a guy three feet away from him, that just makes life easier for the for the defense and less um less people to pass to when when he does get doubled. So I think, like you said, you need someone who can at least step out to the corner on occasion, and someone who yeah definitely needs to be like a high level rim defender and pick and roll defender because that's that's the point of doing it. I think is that you put someone in Cat's position who does the things that Cat doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Like in that scenario. If Cat's, you know, your Wancho, like if Cat's playing, like obviously way higher usage yeah. and better player, but like if he's playing in that role where he's just like a st- stretch four who goes inside a little bit and runs a few pick and, like, pick and rolls, um, then like the upgrade's huge. And if you can, you know, put someone in Cat's position that's that's a, of a Capella kind of ilk, I think that, that really could work well, but like, I don't think we'll see it. Right. Um, yeah. So um, 
what else are your thoughts? I know you um you and Luke just discussed um Malik Beasley a little bit the other week. I I won't, I probably won't do a podcast on him. I think a lot of people have kind of covered that. But um so what just just to have it on here, what are your kind of thoughts on his contract? Um, we talked about it a little bit, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I would love to get him at like a fifteen million dollar contract, twelve to sixteen. When you reach like that eighteen mark, I think we might be stretching a little bit too much. Um, but I think the Timberwolves will match pretty much any offer. And it came out that Rosa said he's going to be back, essentially. He said that. So I think Beasley's probably going to come back. And with the depressed market for this offseason, I think hopefully 12 to 15, 16 million. He turned down a three-year 30 million from the Nuggets. So we're assuming he's going to want more than that. But that would be my take on his situation in a nutshell. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm I'm on the same lines. I think, like you said said on your podcast, which also if you listen to this, go and check out um a Wolf One Among Wolves podcast. Um, you said over there like maybe you don't have to pay him too much more than ten, if because he's got this bigger role and maybe that's what he was angling for in Denver more than just you know like a huge payday. It was like I want to be somewhere where I can play, you know, thirty thirty five minutes a game rather than um rather than kind of, yeah, like get a huge payday. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs like a two-year, $30 million yep. bet on himself kind of again, um, trying to have two big years here and then um, chase a bigger contract, especially when all this pandemic stuff has kind of um, blown over a little bit and there's a little bit more money around in the league and probably more teams with cap space. Yeah, I think he's the type of player where he believes in himself so much that he's he maybe he didn't want to be in Denver because he wanted more of an opportunity rather than just a ton more money. Maybe he just wanted an opportunity and he can get a few million extra or something. So yeah, maybe that's what his I think situation that's, is. I think that's best case for Minnesota. I think, like you said, 12 to 15 is probably the, the limit for me. I don't, I don't like to think of anything over 15, especially when you're already given so much of your cap to, to Towns and Russell. Yeah. I think you have to try and pinch pennies where, wherever you can. Yeah, and you have to avoid the tax this year in case we have to go into it for the next season after that because you don't want to be paying those repeater tax penalties where Glenn's not going to do that. That's not going to be an option. No, like the yeah. couple million, he'll do, but that hundred, I don't know, like 90 million or something crazy like that, he's not going to be paying those penalties yeah. for being in it three years. Yeah, ago. and I think, I think that's another case. That's another you know case to be made for not not keeping all three draft picks because that's another three players you have to pay mm-hmm. and kind of you know even if you um even if you you just pick up uh, a cheap free agent you know rather than rather than spending nine million on a top three pick right i think that if that's what's going to keep you under the tax and under the repeat attacks i think that's something they'll definitely can consider mm-hmm. anyway um i think that that probably covers it um, everyone, go and follow Brendan on Twitter. So is it B, B underscore Hedke, H-E-D-T-K-E, NBA? Yep. Um, go, follow, go follow him on Twitter. Go, um, you can see on his Twitter, his, his YouTube page. You can go see all his work at A Wolf Among Wolves and obviously Spotify and all your other podcast platforms. You can you can find his podcast. Um, so, yeah, thanks heaps for coming on, Brendan. Um, I really appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks for having me.